and welcome back into the Jay and Kale Show podcast. This is going to be episode 20, I promise. I'm not going to update my computer and lose all my files. So we're in the episode 20. Don't have anything planned. We're going to wing it, but uh, let's welcome in Jay, the glue of the show. Jay Eshelman, what's up, man? Not a lot, man. I'm glad to finally feel like it's summer outside. You know, I feel like we only have two seasons in this state sometimes. It goes from cold, winter, late fallish weather right to hot but i'm way way better with hot so can't yeah and i'm gonna tell you this i like the cold weather because you can obviously i'm a big dude right so i do better in the cold but you can only uh take so many layers off before you get arrested and then in the winter you can put layers on you know what i mean i feel you there (laughs) jay uh (laughs) You played some golf this afternoon. We'll go share golf stories of the week. I mean, how did you play this afternoon? I'll tell you what. We're still working out the kinks. Uh, I always complain about my golf game, but I probably need to play a little more than uh, league night if I want to get any better. So, like I told you off air, getting the better week by week, uh, that putter still is a struggle, man. My short game is, oh, man, it's bad. Yeah, I, I feel in the same way because I told you, like we were talking there a little bit before we pressed the old record button. Two weeks ago, I think I shot a 110 on, on nine holes, and I played again. I played 18 and shot a 94, so I guess I needed to just shake the rust off. But there was a point there where I thought I was going to break my putter over my knee. Oh, man, little little happy Gilmore action, the putter throw. Yeah, I was feeling it. I was <laughs> saying some stuff that isn't. The lowest PG thirteen, put it that way. I feel you. I feel you. But um, no, it just feels good to get out there and and play and be able to get outside. I think is the main thing and do something. I feel you there. I feel like everyone's been pent up for too long, and now we got some states that are reopening and stuff. And uh, you can you can definitely tell that the morale is starting to lift a little bit since our curve's been flattened, I guess you could say. So. Yeah, yeah, the hospitalization rate's starting to go down, uh, as well as the infection rate, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But I believe the numbers are starting to uh, kind of, you know, flatten, like you said, a little bit. So we're going to start seeing some movement. But uh, one thing I did catch in our governor's uh, press conference today is uh, he's going to welcome, you know, all professional sports teams back into Chicago in, in July as long as they can start it safely. I mean, that that's great news. Well, another month, I can wait another month. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's huge. Like you said, it's going to be tough to wait another 30 days. But even just having something, you know, even the type of morale that's going to come back to that city from hearing about all of our – teams coming back to the state and Chicago and, you know, prepping up for what could potentially happen, hopefully does happen baseball-wise. And then obviously your, your training camps and things in the offseason that your football guys will do. And I just – I can't even begin to describe the, the amount of happiness that's going to come about that. And we won't even have a few of our teams there to be playing. They'll just be working out getting ready. That's fine with me. I mean, you know, here – and two, you, you said baseball – I don't know how much you've been on the social media or the ESPN or anything lately, but, you know, the NBA is starting to get the wheels in motion to where they might be the first to come back. The MLB has really dropped the ball bad if the NBA starts back up before the MLB does. Hot take. I agree. I mean, you know, we talked about some of that stuff with Austin 
a couple episodes ago about what the parameters were going to be for a uh, half a season and what it was going to look like. And I really felt like major league baseball was kind of taking the initiative to, you know, bring sports back and, and uh, get everybody's spirits back lifted and, you know, get the professional athletes back on the field because essentially, you know, we like to talk about this being a business sometimes and people making money, but right. I mean, those guys love to play whatever sport it is. They love to do what they do. That's why they do it. Yep. And it, for the business aspect at the MLB and the MLB players association can't come to some kind of agreement to, get this the get it started on july 4th first of all what a better weekend like we talked about with austin but the nba comes back and they get to the get to the playoffs i know they had three quarters of their season already completed and the mlb hasn't you know thrown one pitch yet but man that's just a that's just a bad look for the mlb another dark shadow that they don't need i agree but at the same time i feel like the mlb announcing that potential start date and everything, I right. feel like it really, really ramped up some other organizations talk, you know, sports wise. Right. Like for example, the one thing I saw and uh, was going to ask you actually how you uh, felt about it. Did you see what the NHL is possibly proposing? Uh, it's good for Blackhawks fans. It really is. What 24 team playoff. Yeah. Let me pull it yeah, up. How, I'm like, how are you going to seed? I didn't look into it any detail-wise, but I saw 2014 playoff. I mean, that's going to take more than a month to get through all that if they're going to do a best-of series, I guess. But like I said, I haven't seen any details. I just thought that was kind of interesting to see the, the NHL talking about bringing that back and just banging this season and all together. So like what you were talking about, the NHL doing a 24 season or 2014 playoff, it'll abandon the rest of the regular season and go straight into it. Uh, it'll be 24 instead of 16, and they are going to host it in hub cities. So Chicago would be on the list of that. Um, let's see. I think St. Louis was on the list and a few others. Basically, they're going to try to group it to where there's a limited amount of travel in, in, in the play. But 24 teams, like you're saying, that's going to take a long time to, 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 to complete. And that's fine with me because we get something back. But, you know, I, they have to shift these formats. Otherwise, the, the business side, again, I know I'm saying that a lot. Look how much money they're going to lose if they don't get anything in. I agree 100%. I feel like that's kind of their mindset. Or I hope that's their mindset at, the, at this point. And, I mean, I know we long for – sports and a halfway normal type of thing where you wake up and you can watch highlights from the day before night before whatever but the thing that really makes me nervous another one of your your hot takes as you like to say is I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy when it comes to any type of sport if it ain't broke don't fix it so I'm just nervous for what could possibly come of all of these different scenarios and and proposals that each sports league is throwing out you know, is this going to end up changing the whole playoff format for baseball forever? Right. Or the NHL or NBA? You know, I, I just kind of makes me nervous to think about what could come of this in a way as well. So. I want to get your thoughts on this. Are you okay? I know we, we didn't talk about it very much because we're both MLB fans. If you haven't figured that out by now, that's our favorite sport. Are you okay with the designated hitter for both leagues this year? 
and then them veering away from it next year when things get back to normal, if things ever get back to normal. But are you okay with that decision? For this year, yes. Um, I feel like it would be a good thing for each squad, especially with, you know, possibly less than a normal amount of throwing any type of conditioning, I guess. It's easier for position players, if that makes sense. You know, when you're yeah. not getting your bullpens every day and you're not being able to see this and see that as a pitcher, I feel like that's tougher. So, you know, for them to be able to hone in and focus and get extra work in the National League, you know, they think about it like even if it's just a very, very minimal part of practice where a National League pitcher would work on bunting. Right. You know what I'm saying? They can throw that. 15, 20, 30 minutes out, and then out, over the course of off days and, and practices and, and things like that, that amounts to a lot of time you can work on your real craft. So I feel like for the betterment of the league this year, the DH and the NL would be good. But I will say this, I, I, I have a very, very strong feeling that the DH probably may never go away if it does indeed come this year. That's something that, yeah, I, I and that makes me very nervous. The American League, I grew up with the DH. I'm fine with it in the American League. We go to the American League ball. The Cubs or the Cardinals go to the Sox or Cleveland or wherever. The pitcher doesn't bat. Okay, that's been a thing since I was little. Whatever. That doesn't bother me. But when in the National League, it comes, that's, that's the advantage that the National League has in the World Series to me. And I, I just think that's uh, old-fashioned again. I think we both are. That's going to really upset the – the old heads, and specifically in the baseball world. I, I really do. Oh, for sure, because the National League and the pitcher having to bunt and hit and things like that kind of still keeps around the small ball portion right. of the game, yep. you know, in light of all the sabermetrics and things that are coming about and analytics and algorithms and all this other stuff. I feel like the National League still kind of holds true to the way Abner Doubleday thought about playing the game when he, you know, first picked it up and decided to start this awesome game way, way back in the 1800s. So, you know, it kind of has killed me over the years to watch people go away from playing small ball and bunting and things like that, and letting guys swing away in situations where, you know, it makes you scratch your head a little bit late postseason. So I feel like the National League's kind of saved that just a hair. But, you know, like I said, I think a DH in the NL would – be very beneficial this year for the situations we talked about. And then in the long run, if you're a businessman and you're a team owner, I don't see how you don't want the DH because think about the money you could potentially spend to get a guy that's going to fill more seat ticket seats in the end, what you want to say. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly right. And you think about it and – and the White Sox signed Edwin and Carnacion. Okay, well, what are, what are the Cardinals going to do? Now, they probably won't go out and sign somebody because you guys have more depth than any other team in the in the league. But like the Cubs, right? They have Victor Carantini that could catch full-time or they don't even have to sign anybody. I don't, it's, it, it's a great tactic for right now for an 82-game season, but for something down the road in, in the future, you know, I just – I hope it doesn't stay. But uh, you move on in the NBA – if you had to pick a champion on this uh, new format that they're kind of talking about in Orlando, who would you go with? You know, it's tough. I've really been thinking about the best NBA team. I've had to kind of go back and look at some of the 
squads that were, you know, playing well and things like that when stuff kind of went south. And, you know, you look back at a team that's out of our uh, NBA Central Division, obviously, with, with the Bulls, the Bucks. I mean, it's hard to vote against the Bucks. They were playing right. well. Um, obviously, Toronto hot on their tail. I mean, you know, I think Toronto was like six and a half or seven games back of them, but still – that's a team that I feel like has a lot of momentum because they want to prove themselves after shipping Kawhi out and things like that. And I don't know. It's tough. I'd like to go Bucks, but I'm not sure. I think I'd have to go with a Western Conference team and go with either L.A. or L.A. because I feel Kawhi and Paul George are trying to prove something. Paul George has never won one. Kawhi is obviously a dynasty killer. But if you stay in the You're East, right. if you stay in the East – the Bucks are obviously the favorites, but you can't count Boston out because they got hot there that. towards the end. Um, okay, so in the East we have Boston and Milwaukee, and right. the in the West, we I mean the, the, the in the LA and LA, and even the Thunder picked it up towards That's the end. True. And you know you're right. If I feel like. LeBron's definitely, you know, going – obviously he made a move to L.A. because it's a championship-type atmosphere all the time. That's the mentality they have. And obviously that fits his mold as well. So, obviously if they were to continue to stay as hot as they were, I mean, I think they were – I think they only had 15 losses or something on the year. 14 yeah, or 15. 14. So, man, and I'll tell you what, I, I – I, feel like I picked the Bucks because I want to see an Eastern Conference team make some noise. You know what I mean? I feel like it's always somebody coming out of the West that ends up, you know. <laughs> Last few years it has been anyway. Right. Obviously, other than the Raptors. But it's like it's always West, 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 West. So, I feel like my decision may be impartial a little bit to wanting to see my Eastern Conference make a little bit of noise. But. You you uh, you bring up a valid valid argument with the two squads in LA for sure. Did you watch any of the uh, golf match between Tiger, Peyton, and Brady Mickelson? I did. I did get to watch a little bit of it. It was more of a highlight thing for me. I was kind of in an area where I didn't have a lot of service this past Memorial Day weekend, so I, I kind of caught what I could. And. Uh, yeah, it was just fun to watch four winners play, regardless of what their sport is. You know, they were having fun, but at the same time, it was competitive. Great cause. Yeah, that's the same thing. They raised a ton of money. $20 million in about four hours. And who was it? Uh, I can't remember what insurance company it was. Said they would donate a crazy amount of money for a hole-in-one, and I think it was Manning came within a foot. Yeah, it was uh, Workday. That is like a company that does a lot of like HR stuff. So they're like uh, payroll and things like that. Um, and they sponsor Phil. They're like his main sponsor besides Callaway. And they came in and they got a text saying that they would donate another like it was like $2 million or something if they got a hole in one on top of what they were already doing incentive-wise. And Manning was in like inches of hitting it. That's crazy. I mean – and then, I don't know, just kind of a little bit off topic from the match specifically, I watched some highlights, like, how smooth was Tiger off the tee? Like, I, oh, feel, like Tiger hit, I feel like he hit every fairway. He did. 
He was he was 18 for 18 on fairways. And, I mean, it was just – and I don't know if it was, like, obviously a nonchalant feeling of, you know, not playing to make it to the cut and then, you know, be somewhere where you can make a run and win on Sunday or what. But he just – we all know he can do it, but he just, I just thought he looked crazy, crazy good and comfortable off the tee for the first time in a long time. I think he's ready to go, and he proved that on Sunday. Um just it looked like old vintage 2005 tiger was what it looked like and you know there's nothing really riding on it other than the the charity event that they were the COVID-19 relief but man he was smooth and there for a while watching Tom Brady be a human was amazing for me he is he, he might be worse at golf than me and you other than he hit that one immaculate shot, but I, every yeah, time that he took a swing from mid fairway, but I'm with you. You know, it's it just goes to show you how, and it kills me to say this sometimes, but I love baseball, and everybody likes to hate. You know, the majority of people like to hate on baseball because it's slow and it's not fast paced, but it's just about the only game where you have to hit a round ball square. <laughs> coming in at godly fast amounts with less than a second of reaction time at the professional level. But where I was going with this before we went off on that, I think golf, I mean, the amount of precision you have to have in the game of golf to me is absolutely unbelievable. How many swings does it take? Do I got to go out and hit a ball a thousand times with the same iron to – you know, barely even maybe master that one that one club, right? I'm with you. And then these guys just make it look so effortless. Like Phil explaining to, to Brady, okay, well, and Tiger, aiming at that tree over there, hit, hit it right where I'm telling you to, at the left of that tree, because this green's got a 16-degree tilt. And then Phil Mickelson explaining to Brady the different shades okay, this spot of the green is a little drier than this one, so it's going to run faster. So you got to be able to push it through this. Just listening to that was – I was getting a lesson. Oh, it's crazy. Like, you talk about, you know, whatever it is, even outside of sports, mastering your craft. Like, I feel like the amount of time and effort and precision that goes into the game of golf is Bar by, far the, oh, by far the hardest, I feel like. But um, Russell Wilson, I mean, you know, Brooks Kepka. He came in and he donated a bunch of money if Tom Brady parred a hole on the front nine, which he did. He birdied that one that he, that he sank from about, what was that, 80 to 100 yards out. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson donated four hundred or 300,000 meals if everybody hit the green on that, I think, 180-yard hole. The only one that didn't, I believe, was Brady. So he donated 300,000 meals for wheels. And it was uh, – meals up – it was – everything about that was just so awesome. And those guys are out there playing in the rain. Torrential downpour. Rain doesn't even begin to describe it. Yeah. And, I mean, you could just tell they were loving it. It was something that was – like we always talk about, it was, just, it was halfway back to normal, you know. Yep. They knew everybody was counting on them. And, and then right after that, we get right into NASCAR. So, it was a whole day from, from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night. It was like a normal day for me and you. I'm with you, and I'll tell you what, that's about the first time I've ever sat down and watched NASCAR, but 
there was something and and in the very end towards the end of the race you got to see some festivities i mean kyle bush is talking about how he thinks he's got enough room to move up towards the wall on one turn and he spins out chase elliott and i watch a video i'm like dude you've been driving for years and you couldn't fit a golf cart in the spot that you thought was wide open (laughs) yeah chase elliott's standing on the curve flipping him off i was like good for you chase i've been doing the same thing because I don't know a lot about NASCAR, but I know Kyle Busch is a little bit of a, an ego. He's always got something to say and this and that. And to see him mess up one time, I was like, ah, this karma at its finest. Chase Elliott was about to win that race, too, because he had the best car, in my opinion. He had the best and fastest car, and he was in the right spot because they were about to hit a restart, uh, I think, uh, right around there, not too much longer after – Bush spun Elliott out. They hit a restart. So if Elliott was still in second where he was at, I think he just slung right around Kevin Harvick or who, who was it? Kevin Harvick or yeah, or, I yeah it, was, right. it was it was Hamlin maybe, uh, one of the two. I think he just slung right around him and won that race with no doubt in my mind. Just he was just trying to play it, wait for the right time, and and Bush had to come in there and and just say no, I'm going to go ahead and take the points from you and just end his race and. Well, I knew as soon as Elliot was just like kind of lingering around out there on the on the apron, um, you know, kind of waiting to get into the truck to go to the medical uh, medical room to get checked out. I knew he was going to do something, and seeing him give the one fingered salute was was all I needed. Oh, it's hilarious! It's just fun to see some festivities, regardless of whatever sport it was, and you know, get to see guys be passionate about what they're doing. And it was uh, like you said, it finally felt like a normal day. But you move off of that. Uh, let's see. We didn't talk about this last time. Um, the NC2A voted to allow players to start uh, migrating back into campus student athletes. The Illini are going to be back on June 3rd, uh, most of them for fall athletes. So that means football and basketball will be back. Um, they'll be able to start working out in small groups. Now, they're probably not going to have five-on-five games, pickup games at Ubbin like they normally would this time of year. But they'll be able to get in the weight room with Fletch and do some maybe, you know, th- two-man or three-man workouts uh, in order to – for a while until they, maybe things can get back to normal here. But just being able to get Andre Curbelo, Coleman Hawkins, and Adam Miller in the weight room with Fletch is for a whole summer is going to be huge for this program. Oh, absolutely. And just to, you know, be around the coaching staff to whatever extent it might be to – right to start talking about what they want to do, this and that, where guys are going to be, where they uh, need them to be better at, just things like that. And, and you know, having the upperclassmen talk about what the Big Ten's like, you know, start to paint them a picture in the first-person view. And I'm with you. It's nothing but beneficial for not only those guys, but, but for everybody. I'm going to bounce something off you here. Um, assuming Io stays in the draft which I don't know if you noticed this, uh, he faded his Twitter to black. He still has the pinned tweet of the, you know, unfinished business uh, video that he put out when he was coming back last year. But his header that had unfinished business in the, well, as his header, he uh, went ahead and made that or blacked it out. Last time he did that, he came back. If you're putting two and two together like that, like I am, I'm saying – He's coming back just based off past events. Now, I think he's doing it, you know, to stay relevant, not stay relevant, but you know what I'm trying to say. And, you know, try to create the uh, the rumors about well, what IO's Twitter means and all this other good stuff. But 
I don't know. I, I like that. I like that start. Absolutely. I, I guess I'm uh, more in a confused state, I guess. What does that do for a, a guy like Miller? I mean, does he leave? Or no, he he'll stay? I think he'll stay because he'd have to get let out of his letter of intent. And I don't know if that'll happen, to be honest. Um, it, it probably would, but I don't see how it would affect Adam Miller in his career at Illinois. If right. anything, like we've talked about a thousand times, he will not – he will want to play with one of the best players in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's hard to pass that up. I mean, it just makes me nervous because we talk about all the political behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with the AAU circuits and him talking yep. about how he wasn't going to play with IO and this and that. I really hope that uh, this situation does indeed pan out how you're describing it might. I do know Kofi's on campus. That's a good sign. Uh, Kofi's just probably did the same thing that we, that Io did last year. Go test the waters and get it with NBA scouts and figure out what you need to work on, what you need to develop. Go back to college another year. Go ahead and get Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, steal that from Garza, and then uh, you know just and then head to make your money. Io's in a little different situation, like we talked about. The only thing he can do to really improve his stock is maybe shoot forty percent from three. That's where he's really lacking. But you know he's got the rest of the the mindset that NBA teams should be looking for, which still surprises me that how he's only on one draft board at 52. I've only seen him on one, and that's still boggling to me. I agree, but, I mean, could you just imagine how hard it is to decide for a kid like Io to go to the league or not to go to the league when obviously the type of clutch performances he's had in late game situations and his ability to get to the rim and create shots. Like the only thing that he really needs to hone in on and work on is three point shooting. Like do yep. you imagine being at a point in your career where you have everything, not necessarily mastered, but you do it well enough to where you're elite in just about every part of the game other than three point shooting. You do it well enough that it gets Illinois back into the top 25 gets you into the second place into the big or third place in the big 10 and buys you a ticket to the dance. How teams aren't looking at that is is just I don't I don't get it. I know that the NBA is now centered around threes. I get that the time has shifted and it'll shift back to where maybe in our lifetime we'll see mid range come back and a guy like Io would be the guy that would be the be the number one overall pick. But the fact that the, the, like you said you described the killer mentality, the clutch performances, the fact that he can create space and he can he's great off of ball screens and great in isolation it's it's just absolutely it, it's maddening really that nobody's even considering it from what I can tell yeah it's like obviously the more uh, elite college basketball teams that have a crazy amount of depth and and things like this that are in the top 25 year in year out you know I feel like it's kind of hard to pick out not necessarily hard to pick out who the guy is, but they have so many of the elite talents. And for a guy like Io to have the mentality he did and for him to be the type of player to where regardless of whether you were an Illinois Big Ten fan or not, you knew who was getting the ball in the last minute of the game and who was going to take the shot. And he still performed when everybody that was watching the game, you didn't even have to know about basketball, for Christ's sake. Right. If you watched any type of Illinois basketball, you knew exactly who it was going to. 
and exactly who was going to take the shot. And I just feel like it's disappointing, you know. I understand the analytics and, and statistical thing of, of all the sports and what guy fits what mold. And it's just – it's hard for me to condone people passing on somebody that has the mentality of I'm going to get my work done and I'm going to do what I need to do. But I'm, but I'm also in my head. I know that when my time comes – or my name's called, I'm getting it done. And then it's the whole mentality of the rest of the team. Like, okay, there's six seconds left on the clock. We're down by two, or we're, we got a one-point lead. Who do we give the ball to? Number 11. And get out of his way and let him do it. And he does it. Every, he's, he, he, like, he's, he rises to the occasion every time, day in and day out. Back to the Michigan State game, he doesn't slip and get hurt. We win that game, and the State Farm Center absolutely blows the cement lid that's holding everything down on the ground right off of it. That's just how that happens. Yeah, I agree. But moving on to uh, another topic, and shifting back to the local spotlight, uh, the EI Baseball League, and you'll be able to elaborate on this a lot more because I'm still trying to do as much research on it as I possibly can. Um, is, you know, they, they lost a couple teams today. Uh, I know that they, they made a statement because – or that the – was it Gifford-Flatville, Game 7 in Bloomington, and I'm missing one, El Paso, are uh, not going to be participating in this year's season. So that leaves Paxton, the Swedes, the Buckley Dutch Masters, and the Royal Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you are correct, and uh, very, very – very early in the makings, um, I was able to talk to Dad, the old man, and he had said we are possibly in the works of maybe getting some weekends where we might be able to get together when all this stuff is lifted and and in a better situation to have people out to watch baseball. But, you know, it, it's sad, not only for those three teams that obviously, you know, numbers player-wise, but it's also sad for the teams that are, you know, still alive and, and willing to play because those are three of the teams that have, you know, been around for quite a while. Obviously, Gifford been around for quite a while. I understand where they're coming from. I get that. You know, I respect their decision. It's saddening. But just to think of the – that, you know – aren't going to thrive as much because of the lack of a season. Just It just hurts a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully, like I, I talked to Trent Eshelman, your dad today, uh, he's the secretary of the EI League, and he was talking about, um, you know, we'll have all this on the news at uh, 637, 738, noon and 5. Uh, so stay tuned for that on the latest updates on the WPXN Airwaves. We're talking about maybe when, you know, like you were saying, when things get lifted up, uh, maybe doing some round-robin stuff with the three teams that are available, traveling around to different areas, of maybe some different states, and, and playing some games with some other teams. Maybe you don't get a C all the time. And, you know, that would be just, just a way, just another avenue to get uh, get fans or get some, something to do is all it is. And Absolutely. get America's pastime back back to where it should be. Right, 100%. And uh... – like I talked about, you know, it'd just be another morale lifter around here. I mean, I can't even begin to think the amount of people that would come out on a Sunday, regardless if it's in Paxton or in Gifford to watch Royal or in Buckley to watch us all three, either of those three spots. I mean, 
the amount of people that have already asked me, you know, you, you drive through Buckley during the day and people are flagging you down like, Hey, when's the season starting? When are we doing this? Or, you know, I've heard people asking Paxton and right. I know some guys that aren't around here that play for some of the, the other squads like Royal and Gifford. They're like, Hey, any word on a possible season? And, you know, just to, just to think about the, just the goodness all around that it would bring both business and morale wise to this area. It is sad to hear we won't have a whole season, but anything would be good at this point. So, yeah, no. So we'll make sure that you stay tuned to not only this platform, but w, the rest of WPXN's platforms, because we'll have the latest information on EI baseball as well. And you can also follow it on the EI's website, eibaseball.com, I believe is the website. I had to yep. fact check myself on that. Bang. Look at that. You got it. That's coming right off the old noodle. Yeah, that's uh, where I go on to check to see if I'm hitting my weight during the season or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I got that saved on my phone. I'm like, all right, a couple hits this weekend. That's got me up to a buck 70. We're feeling it, baby. We're feeling it. I just lost my next thought. (laughs) Oh man! Uh, anyway, oh, well, let's talk about the last episode. I mentioned it a little bit. If, uh, so I made a made a boneheaded mistake, and I updated my computer before I had the episode onto my hard drive, right? And oh, no. when I updated my computer, I, apparently it didn't back any of my files up. So I lost not only a bunch of files for work that I had to refind. I lost all all of our episodes, our intro, and our outro. And some other good stuff I had on there that I had to re-download today. So that's what I spent my day doing. Everything you love about technology is everything you hate about it, I feel like. You know, it's supposed to be this reliable thing, but you do something that's supposed to help your computer and make it better, and it wipes everything. That makes no sense. You talk about wanting to break a putter. I about threw my computer out on the Route 45 this afternoon when I saw all that. Oh, I couldn't believe. I can't even begin to imagine. But, um, no, it, there's not much going on, so that's why we went down to one day a week. Uh, um, anything that's breaking that Jay and I feel like we need to talk about, we will. But other than our golf game being subpar, that's about every, all the th- all the important stuff that's going on. Subpar. That's a perfect way to put it. He even uh, throws the golf analogy in there. <laughs> Let me speak for myself on that one. I'm not. Oh, no, hey. To- oh no, no. I'm I'm right there with you, man. Don't throw me out of that mix. I'm I'm trying to keep us humble. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for today. Short episode, but I did like I said, we were just kind of winging it. That's everything I could remember. There's probably something huge that we missed, unless you can think of anything, which I can't. I can't. Like you said, slim pickings for now, but hopefully it'll change. Don't forget to follow Jay on Twitter at JTS11. You can follow me on Twitter, new handle, by the way, at WPXNKL, all lowercase. Figured that'd be a little easier. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at WPXNKL, uh, C-A-L-E. Uh, you can also follow the station at 1049WPXN. Don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. And uh, don't forget to hit that download, rate, review, and subscribe button. We got some big stuff planning, uh, Jay. I'll get it before we get out of here. I'll, I'll talk about that. We got some big stuff coming up. Um, we can't wait. You can't, we can't leave that out now. You can't leave me on a cliffhanger. We got uh, – I'm, I'm trying to – speaking of EI baseball, I'm going to try to get uh, Fred Croner on here. I emailed him today and texted him, and we're going to work something out maybe next week. 
might be a Tuesday episode for us. Um, that's what he was saying that he had some time Tuesday evening. So it might be a Tuesday episode for us. So keep that in mind for all the listeners out there. Um, and then I'm still working on some bigger fish. I don't want to get the names out because I don't want to jinx it before it happens. But uh, trying to work with some guys that are, you know, larger markets is uh, trying to get some scheduling stuff pretty tough for them. So we're, we're working on it with that. I don't want to name drop. But the EI baseball episode, that's just going to be 100%. Me and Jay learning the history. Well, Jay probably knows a lot more than I do. Me, per se, learning the history of EI baseball. Hey, there's a lot that I don't know, too. And what better guy than Fred to uh, paint the picture and, you know, bring back some of the good memories and talk about that. I'm excited for that already. So that's going to hopefully be next week. Week after that, don't know. Might just be Jay and I for a couple of weeks. Hey, that works, too. Hopefully uh, hopefully we blab enough about some good stuff and we'll get some people to come back and listen. All right. Once again, don't forget, like I said, you can follow us on all those socials that I said earlier. Jay, I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy, brother. Summon for a special occasion. I, I stay ready because destiny impatient. Changes, I've been seeing changes. If you talking fire, then we speak the same language. Rah. And I don't ever get extinguished. Could count my friends on one set of fingers. And they try to cut the supply, but my energy is at an all time high. Coming up. Coming up, uh, feel the rush, I feel the rush. If this ain't legendary, what you call it? I said, if this ain't legendary, what you call it? Uh, feel the vibe, I feel the vibe. Extra live, I'm extra live. And I don't need improvement. Fell asleep, a man woke up superhuman. Uh, tension thick enough to cut it with a knife. The pressure building like it's trying to bust a pipe Chaos don't take a day off, lot of wrongs to right I was built for the hustle, hard work and late nights Oh no, they never seen a force like this Five fingers balled up in the one firm fist So if history is written by the victor Then leave blank pages with a space for my picture Cause this is what I live for, let's go Coming up, I'm coming up, uh Feel the rush, I feel the rush. If this ain't legendary, what you call it? I said, if this ain't legendary, what you call it? Uh, feel the vibe, I feel the vibe. Extra live, I'm extra live. And I don't need improvement. Fell asleep, a man woke up superhuman. Pressure turned me into a giant. I'm on the edge and I might just dive in No turning back, man, I'm ready to go Come in with me or I'm going alone Changes, man, I'm talking changes Crash course, but I ain't afraid of danger. Now let me give you what you came for.